Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. At the 2016 Summer Olympics, there was this moment at the pool right before the 100-meter relay. The swimmers were all doing that thing where they shake out their arms. But Michael Phelps was standing poolside completely in the zone with his headphones on. The gold medal was on the line. But what everyone watching on TV wanted to know was what music is he listening to? To the world, it was a cultural moment. But what an entrepreneur named Jason Fox saw was a billion-dollar opportunity. And that's why he's here today, asking investors for $3 million to build his startup, Earbuds. From Gimlet, this is The Pitch. I'm Josh Muccio. Our investors today... I'm Charles Hudson. Charles started Precursor Ventures, where he's invested $45 million in over 100 startups to date. I'm Jillian Manis. Jillian is a partner at Structure Capital, where they've invested $98 million in high-profile startups like Uber. I'm Michael Hyatt. Michael built and sold two software companies for over $500 million. And now, he invests for himself. I'm Phil Nadell. Phil has built companies that sold for hundreds of millions of dollars. Now he manages Forefront Venture Partners, one of the largest syndicates on AngelList. Okay, on with the pitch. Hey there. Hi. Wow, are you, wow, are you very Jason, I'm Phil. Phil nice hey, to nice to meet you, Jason. Hey. I've never seen the mic stand this high up. I, yeah, yeah, they had a, they had a yep, reason. Jason is tall, six foot seven. He's standing at the mic, towering over the investors. They've got big grins and wide eyes. And when they find out he's a former NFL player, they're starstruck. I probably should know this, but what team did you play on? I played four years for the Lions, then a couple more with the Dolphins after that. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I'm a lifelong Lions fan from Detroit. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. I'm a South Florida guy. Oh, right. Yeah. I you know, notice I didn't say I'm a Dolphins fan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love the fish. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. the fish. Okay. Okay. okay sorry ahead. about that. Go for it, Jason awesome. Fox. Well, I- I'm Jason Fox. Uh, I'm the founder of Earbuds. And the idea for earbuds came actually in my last career. I, I played in the NFL for six years, just recently retired a couple years ago. And it was during that time, I always had this same idea over and over again. And it really, the first time I thought of it, we were opening with Carolina. I was warming up right next to Cam Newton. He was on the field. Oh, about, I love Cam Newton. I'm sorry. Go he ahead. was about five feet away from me and he's jamming. He's getting the crowd into it. He's just getting into the rhythm right before a game. And I said, man, there's... 85,000 people here. There's millions more watching this game at home. Cam is an individual that has tens of millions of social media followers. Like, how many people would love to be in his headphones right now? Mm. There's the number one question asked at the last two Super Bowl media days. It's the number one question asked around the Olympics. What are you listening to? Mm-hmm. We're earbuds to solve that. So we've partnered with Spotify and Apple Music. And so instead of just listening to music, we allow you to broadcast it where other people can tune in live and listen along with you in complete, synchronized, real time. Basically, it's the closest you'll get to being inside the head of your favorite celebrity. You want to see it? You want to see it? Yeah, 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 let's try it. Yeah, cool. Okay, so you're pulling out your phone. Okay. We're looking at a screen that says, stream your music. 
Yep, this is the app. So these are all people live listening so to their music right now. Scrolling through. Who's listening to Drake? If you hit listen along, you, listen along? You're, you, start, you start completely synchronized with them. With the tap of his finger, the music starts playing right in the middle of the song. Casting because we got NBA, NFL, X Games. We got so many people interested in using our tech. But why earbuds? As soon as I saw yeah. you, I'm like, wow, what kind of new earbuds are right. you? Right. Like, why? Isn't like, friend, a... like, buds. Exactly. Like, we're earbuds. We're ear buddies. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm slow, but they could, I, I guess my I thought you were making earbuds. E- earbuds. Is this another revenue stream for? Like a boxer walking into the ring, what is he listening to? You know how they write things on their body? They'll sell anything to sell. Are, would they sell the ability to broadcast the music? Influencers are obviously very forward-thinking now and knowing that what that relationship they have with their following and be able to engage with their fans in a whole new way right. through music. We've had labels, music promoters, artists want to launch new content through influencers, yeah. right? And there's they can brokerage their own deals around that. Imagine being the first song on Tom Brady's playlist right before the Super Bowl or the Michael Phelps example or being on Kylie Jenner's playlist. And so how do you make money? One is sponsored content. We've had so many brands reach out, want to be surfaced, labels wanting to push music, venues, arenas. And then the next way is partnerships, revenue shares, licensing opportunities, the sports teams, the leagues, the other live streaming services. The next one is really the data play behind this. There's so much data around music. For example, if The Rock was listening, you know, we could analyze his following, his listeners, and we can show you these are the types of genres that you're where they live their demographics and we can help people retarget those people so can you tell us where you are now are you measuring active users where you at give us some numbers yeah so we say we've soft launched we put it on the app store because we wanted to test and iterate and see where we're at and we learned a ton uh, and we're gearing up for a launch and how many month monthly active users do you have now uh it, it varies, but plus or minus 5,000. Can you tell us about the competitors? You know, there's there's Vertigo tried to do it. It flopped out. It's had it's exchanged founders several times. There's another one called Eavesdrop. Eavesdrop's kind of floundered. Why? You know, why have these dropped out and why are they floundered? They're most of them. I don't think, any, I think we're the only agnostic one. And, you know, I don't think they have the same tech. And, you know, they outsource the technology, which is just not a very good user experience. And then they've also struggled to onboard talent in a meaningful way. Do they have any good talent, any notable influencers on those platforms? Not that I'm aware of, no. This whole song and dance so far is pretty basic. Who's your competition? How are you going to make money? Yada, yada. And Jason seems to have the right answers. But then the investors bring up a big green elephant in the room. Why, why doesn't Spotify shut you out and do this? I mean, this sounds so obvious. Why is Spotify missing this? They don't do it because of really two reasons. The biggest reason is it's a crowded experience. They're cutting out features left and right because there's there's just too much. They've gone so much into podcasts and moods and everything else. There, there's just too much content on one screen. And the other big reason behind it is the agnosticity of it. The winner of the social space will be agnostic. Whether you get your music from your coworker, your girlfriend, or even your favorite athlete or celebrity, they might not have the same music service as you. They might have Apple Music, you have Spotify. And so they've noticed that it's hard to do social right. But couldn't one argue that, that Spotify is so popular, so pervasive, that they have enough 
No. No, Apple Music is gigantic. It's, yeah. Well, okay, either yeah. one of them yeah. is so, they have so many users that this would be a great feature, even if they kept it within their own platform. I would disagree with you. There's a couple different ways I could go here. One I'll say is Shazam, right? You know, Shazam sold. I know Rich Riley, the former CEO, I've got connected to him with Through Your Buds, and he said, the reason why he was winner is because he said, he goes, I'm Switzerland. It doesn't matter. Anybody can use us. He goes, the winner of the social space will be the same way. Here's the thing he's getting at. Even though Apple owns Shazam now, it still works with all the other music platforms. Apple wants as many people using Shazam as it can possibly get. Because, well, data. Jason sees the same potential for earbuds. But before he can mine all that data, he needs users. And to get users, he's going to need some celebrity power. The winner of the space will have a moat, and the moat is really simple. Who got the scars on and using it? That's when we come back. That guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield. So he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are an APY. APY can change at any time. Welcome back. What's unique about earbuds is that the product Jason is really selling isn't the app. It's the celebrities he gets on the app. Without lots of influencers to follow, who cares? Nobody's going to use it. Here's Michael. Tell us about your relationships with uh, professional sport associations or teams. Like, the winner of the space will have a moat, and the moat is really simple. Who got the stars on and using it? What's your star acquisition strategy? Well, it, it's to show them the, how to how do they can monetize it themselves, right? But but how are you going to do that? Played well, a, he's already, played. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I used to live with Rob Rob Gronkowski when we trained for the right. draft. Like well, I have he, a, he like, played. I know, but can I, had, but, but how just, are you to walk us through the strategy? Because I think it's great. Mm-hmm. But take away from football for one second. Let's go basketball anywhere else or swimming or mm-hmm. what is your acquisition strategy to make this really big? It, it's really the relationships. I know. I know that may not be the answer you want to hear, but. We have those relationships. I was just with Baron Davis the last two days, and he said he could get every NBA player. Yeah. Um, so their interest in doing it is so that they can make some extra money? Well, well, the number one thing is is they could they can engage with their fans. And yeah. then if they can do that by making money along the way, yeah. that's the bonus. Yeah. And that's, that's why, actually, the host of the X Games reached out to us oh because he said, Jason, I— when me and all my snowboard buddies get to the top of the mountain, yeah. we all press play at the same time. Yeah. And he goes, and we've been asked, and we've been so many brands and you know TV sponsors and everybody else want to make music a part of the experience. And yeah. now we can do that because now we can tell all of our writers yeah. to listen. For sure. Uh, I, it's not going from one person to one person. It's actually if you were to get Iron Man, if you get the X Games, that goes viral within. Those are millions and millions and millions. I really think this will be driven by influencers. Uh, in the early stages, like our, our whole mindset is to get on the top tier people and like 
And we've had some big name investors. Baker Mayfield invested in our last round. Patrick Mahomes is coming in this round. If you know sports ball, Jason is rattling off some pretty big names who've already decided to invest. But before our investors decide, Michael has a very simple question that could sink this entire deal. Tell us about your previous rounds in this round. Uh, we did a small friends and family round in the early days when we were just building a beta product. I raised 630000 from friends and family, and then last year we raised one5 At valuations? The first one was at $3 million pre-money, uh-huh. and then the last one was at $8 million pre-money. pre-money. And currently, what are you doing? We're raising up $3 million on a convertible note. What's the, what's the cap? cap? The cap is a fourteen. So how much have you raised of the $3 million? We're a little north of halfway. Okay. This is a tough one for me, but I'm going to pass. And it's basically only because of price. If you told me, hey, we're just kicking it off. We don't have any commitments at 14. I'd say I was in if we could talk about a set of terms that I think are more appropriate for where you are. I don't generally feel comfortable asking people mm-hmm. to revisit that. But I really think you have some good insights here. I think the product's going to work. And I think Kickstarter. Would you that revisit initial. that? I, I was going to ask you yeah. what, what you thought evaluation would be fair. Eight. Eight. Right. Despite you, you, the early stage at eight, I'm in. I'm, 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 I'm interested. Yeah. Um, so so let me just cap it up. I think what Phil is saying is that he'd be in at a lower number. Mm-hmm. Charles being be in a lower number. I tell you, I'm in at a lower number. Me too. We're all in. I'll do a half a million at eight. I, look, I came here because I, I recognize, you know, who each and every one of you are and, and the power behind that. And I want a strategic capital that can help us in, in other ways. I do feel like I need to talk to sure, our existing investors because sure I don't, I, I, you know, I believe they have a voice in this as well. Of course. Of course. What just happened? Was this all of our investors getting on the exact same page and saying that they're all in, but with one big caveat? They're saying that they'll invest if Jason lowers the price tag on his company from $14 million to $8 million. And to be clear, this is a huge ask. Because what Jason has to do is go back to his previous investors and tell them that the company that they invested in already is worth less money than they thought. I'll tell you the thing I like most about it is I think it's very, I think it's very hard to find untapped, unmet consumer needs. And I think the number of times I've seen just regular people sitting around all on earbuds or ear, or AirPods, the idea that everyone could listen to the same thing or everyone could listen to what oh, someone else is listening. I mean, this is an untapped consumer need. And you don't find those in consumer very often. It's basically impossible, as you probably know, it's basically impossible to raise money for anything in music because mm-hmm. generally you get stuck in the morass of licensing and the totally labels. Yes. And I think very true. This is uh, unique. The thing that I think is quite impressive about your presentation is you have a very understated, humble, but confident way of talking about your business mm-hmm. that for me as someone who's unfortunately lost money on some companies in music, it's very sober and in mm-hmm. a good way. And I think that's really impressive that you were able to take what's oftentimes just a rat hole, a sinkhole, whatever you want to call it, industry for an entrepreneur to go into and tease out a really good independent conflict-free way to, to thread the needle. On it. I, I think if I if I go back to our current yeah. investors and, and the people that committed to this round, obviously the people committed to this round would love, love, yeah. <laughs> love it. Um, yeah. But I think the yeah. question I would first get asked is like, well, how much? I would look that we're at the tail end of our current fund. We have a new one coming online soon. So it'd probably be 50, but with an eye, with an eye toward doing more if we could. 
Okay. Uh, I would be between one and two hundred. Okay. I'd be between one and two hundred. Great. So it sounds so, like you got so like a million. Bucks. But, but yeah, in all sincerity, I have a, a one of our investors in our fund is called True Capital, and they represent some like four hundred of the top professional athletes, mm-hmm. and they would be phenomenal, phenomenal. See, that that's what you want. Yeah. Okay. Great. We'll yeah. Go team. Yeah. Okay. Well, good luck. Come back to us. Yeah, yeah I will. Thank I will. you. Yeah. Absolutely. Know. Thank you. Jason walks out of the room, and the investors can't wait to talk to each other about this pitch. Did I just? I'm either looking at a zero or a billion dollar play. Yes. I know I've said that before. I have exactly. no, Great. but I love it. I mean, Great. Oh, yeah. but I'm so I, excited about it. I love but, this. You know. I, I just need to pay for the risk, right? Yeah. Yeah, but this is so interesting. I think this is one of the most fresh. Yeah. And I would use as it. you I'd said, like to look at the oh, other I do the second. You know that he mentioned. Well, I mean, Apple tried to do this with Ping. Right. They tried to build their own, and I think the problem is a bunch of people have tried to build music social this networks. I couldn't wait to get into that room and find out what about this deal struck such a major chord with our investors. And then Charles said to me, "I normally hate music startups. If you had told me that's what it was going to be before, yeah. I would have said, Muchi, I don't do that." <laughs> <laughs> but I did do that. Y'all were very excited about this. How much of your decision to invest was because as an ex-NFL player, he had the network to bring in all of these influencers? I think that's very important. I think that's, yeah, I think that's that's, it. I think all good consumer pitches for me come down to an insight on on human psychology. Yeah. And I think we understand is like average people want to listen to what famous people are listening to. And if like, that's a insight. That yes. not everybody has. A lot of people have tried to do things in music. If he gets the stars, this thing if takes he gets off. This, and and yeah. Hyatt's 100% right. If he gets, yeah. and I think the thing, the reason this will work better now than five years ago is any influencer yeah. with 100,000 social followers. Yeah. You don't need Tom Brady. You don't need Pat Mahomes. Agreed. You could get an Instagram influencer with 350,000 totally. yeah. yeah. followers. And, and I think he just had this insight that like, that's what you need to unlock the market is you need people who people really want to know what they're listening to. Mm-hmm. And I think you can build a really interesting product that way. The investors think Jason could go triple platinum on his debut album. But when we come back, turns out getting to the top of the charts is harder than Jason thought. Drowning in status updates and lost in endless emails? Break free with ClickUp.com, the one app to replace them all. Imagine a world where your team collaborates effortlessly in one shared space. No more chaos, just ClickUp. Your projects, tasks, and communication unified at last. Transform how you work with customizable views, seamless integration, and real-time updates. ClickUp is your shortcut to more productive days and happier teams. Join the millions of productive teams already streamlining their workflow. Visit ClickUp.com to get started. Welcome back. Jason walked out of the pitch room with interest from all four investors. But to turn that interest into investment, Jason would have to lower the price of earbuds. A few months into it, producer Heather Rogers talked to Jason about how it was going. So in the pitch room, all four investors said they'd go in if you lowered the valuation from $14 million to $8 million. What was it like to hear that? I mean, the first, 
the first reaction, it's good, right? It's you, some of the top investors in the world want to give you a million dollars because they believe in you and in your product and your vision. And that's, that's extremely validating and it's extremely, it just feels extremely good. But then the reality sets in of like, there's bigger implications of this, right? And I want to do right with all the people that got us here. Mm-hmm. But figuring out how to make it work, that's the, the more difficult part. Jason left the pitch room with a tough job. He had to convince his previous investors that earbuds was actually less valuable than they thought it was. He knew those conversations weren't going to be easy. I texted several of our top investors and said, hey, you know, I'd love your advice on something. Let me know uh, when you have a time to chat. And over the next week, I talked to most of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of them honestly just weren't that comfortable with it. And they said, you know, you can find that same funding elsewhere for the valuation that that better fits us and it does right by us. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell me about one of those calls? I called and said, hey, these are the four investors I pitched. This is how it went. And he didn't say, no, don't do this. This is dumb. But he did say like that he disagreed with it and he didn't feel like it was the best move for the company to make. And I'm not saying his opinion was right or wrong, but his opinion was that they were using their position of power to negotiate a better deal for themselves. And mm. he thought we were worth more than that. And he thought it would be taking a step backwards to settle for this type of investment. Mm-hmm. How did you feel when you got off of that phone call with that investor? I felt bad in a couple different ways, but it's hard to describe it. It's I felt bad that I had to make that phone call. I felt bad that I didn't have a clear answer for him and he didn't have a clear answer for me. And I felt bad that, you know, I want to be focused purely on the business and growing it and reaching all those milestones that we've set for ourselves. It's interesting that you took what the investors on our show, what they what they said to you. It sounds like you took that very seriously. I mean, there's so much that those four individuals, not only can they do themselves, but they can also call other relationships in their network. And so sometimes it's hard because, you know, I think what the valuation that we have is, is very fair, but reaching this stage valuation isn't the end goal. It's how do we get to a hundred million? How do we get to 500 million? If these individuals and these investors can help us do that by getting there faster through their relationships, then it's absolutely worth exploring. Right. And that's that made the biggest impact of how flexible is this valuation? You know, if those relationships come through, then the valuation is flexible. Okay, so Jason is willing to risk his relationship with his old investors so that he can work with our investors. He thinks it's worth it, which makes you wonder, how is it going with our investors? What's happened with Jillian since you were here? The day I went on the show, I think we've exchanged emails, texts, and phone calls. <laughs> She's kind of <laughs> leading the charge for the rest of investors. Who are some of the people that Jillian has introduced you to? One of the funds Jillian introduced me to manage a lot of celebrities and their funds. Mm-hmm. If that group comes in, then that's an exact example of the terms would be more flexible because that's a dream partner and that could help us scale so much faster. 
we've been talking to them for a couple of weeks now and it's at the stage where they're pitching their clients of seeing who would want to be involved. Got it. So you think if that comes through, you can go back to like that investor you had the phone call with and say, look, this is a big deal. It's totally worth lowering the valuation for this. Yeah, absolutely. That would be a game changer for us. That would definitely allow us to change the evaluation. Right. So these doors have opened. I mean, it's interesting to me. Like these doors have opened like through Jillian and potentially other investors from the show. Just because you said, I'm willing to to talk about the valuation. So you didn't actually lower it, but you're just saying like, we can negotiate, but show me what you can do. Is that right? That's, yes. Uh, I don't want to negotiate against myself. So when they asked me to lower the valuation, I asked them, well, how else can you help? And I think there's a trade-off there. Charles, Michael, and Jillian, they still haven't actually given Jason any money. And Phil, well, he already told Jason he's out. Are there downsides to all these connections that like Jillian is making and you're meeting new people and they're like, yeah, we're interested, but we need to like find out more about you. And are there any downsides to that? Downsides is not how I'd phrase it. The only, uh, I guess it's a downside. The only thing is it takes time and time kills deals. And so it's a, it's a tough balance because you want to make sure you have the right people involved, but every time you know, you go through the due diligence stage with someone, it just, it drags things out. Okay, so how many investors are you waiting to hear from before you can tell everyone what's going on? As soon as Jillian and her connections decide what they want to do, then I think that'll basically set off a chain reaction. So like part of me, when I think about that, these people are supposed to be like risk takers and like, you know, (laughs) decisive people. And it seems like they're not. I, I'm not going to say that. I'll let you say that. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was the full being to saying that, but I'm not saying that. I'm not taking the bait. I'm going to go ahead and take the bait. Here's what I think. What's happening to Jason happens to a lot of founders. You get caught in this balancing act between your old investors and the new ones, the old investors wanting to preserve their piece of the pie, and the new investors who want a fair cut of the action. And inevitably, you get yes, but from all these investors, but nobody's actually writing a check yet because they're all standing around waiting for someone else, that one domino that will make the rest of them fall. And the founder is just caught in the middle of this, trying to figure out what the hell happened and why they can't just work on their business. (sighs) So do not be deceived. This is the world of venture capital. And if you're going to take their money, you've got to play their game. Anyway, Jason didn't say any of this. I'm reading between the lines just a bit. Our show is hosted by me, Josh Muccio, Produced by Heather Rogers and Kareem Maddox. We are edited by Blythe Terrell and Sarah Saracen. Theme music by The Musemaker. Original compositions from Brickmaster Cylinder, Bobby Lord, Peter Leonard, Matthew Boll, The Musemaker, and Names Are Hard. We are mixed by Enoch Kim. Lisa Muccio planned the recording of this pitch. 
And here's a quick reminder that there's no offer to invest being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. You can follow The Pitch on Spotify and listen for free or find new episodes wherever you listen. Also, you may want to check out our Instagram page at The Pitch Show for those of you who like visuals to go along with your podcasts. We are coming at you with a brand new episode next week. See you then.